Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's a lot. It's a lot. $75. It used to take $45, $40. And when you start paying that much, then I have to start considering, okay, do I need to get a smaller car? Do I need to change cars? So it's a little, you know, it does worry me a, a lot, actually. If you've filled up your car's gas tank recently, chances are it wasn't cheap. In fact, on Tuesday, AAA announced that the national average for the price of regular climbed to 4.37 a gallon, setting a new record for the year. Analysts believe the average could surge to 4.50 a gallon within the next week or so. And while gas prices had been rising before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Cecilia Rouse, one of President Joe Biden's top economic advisors, went on CNN and placed the blame squarely on one man. Well, look, we understand that with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, that gas prices are elevated. Uh, we certainly hope uh, that these will come down soon. That That's somewhat up to Putin. But Today, we're going to talk about how the war is impacting the world beyond the battlefield, from oil to food and the future of the global economy. My guest is CNN's Julia Horowitz. She's a senior writer for CNN Business and the author of the newsletter Before the Bell. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Wright. So, Julia, you're based in London. You report on international global markets and business. Uh, so, big picture to start, how destabilizing to those markets has the invasion of Ukraine been? It's been very destabilizing. So, basically, before Russia invaded Ukraine in late February, there were already all kinds of problems that were disrupting global energy markets and global trade. Hmm. Um, so, once lockdowns related to the pandemic started to end in Europe and the United States, there was this massive surge of demand. Supply couldn't keep up and energy prices were already starting to rise. And we saw inflation start to rise across a lot of major economies. You know, in the U.S., consumer prices are the highest they've been in 40 years. It's a similar problem in Europe. So that was already an issue. Then came the invasion of Ukraine and a lot of those problems just got a lot worse. So let's start with oil, if we can. Uh, What role did Russia play in that space before the war started? Russia is the third largest oil producer in the world behind the United States and Saudi Arabia. And it's actually the second largest gas producer after the United States. Hmm. So even though it doesn't have a huge economy, um, it played a really outsized role in energy markets. That meant that when the war in Ukraine broke out, There were a lot of concerns that access to Russian oil traveling by pipeline or by sea would be disrupted. Those concerns really rattled global markets and sent prices surging. You know, some of those concerns are are twofold. There were worries that some of the energy that flows by pipelines through Ukraine wouldn't be able to reach its end destinations like Europe. And then 
traders stopped wanting to buy hmm. Russian energy because they were worried that they would be caught up in sanctions. They couldn't get the letters of credit that they needed from their banks. They did not want to deal with going anywhere near a war zone. Um, so they started looking for other sources of energy. Um, but as I mentioned, the market was already super tight because of the supply-demand disruption due to the pandemic. And so that's just pushed prices higher and higher. Right. And countries all over the world have said, look, forget it. We're not taking Russian oil anymore. So what happens to that oil and how does that impact the rest of the market? So the United States has said we're not going to import any more Russian oil. Europe right now is debating an embargo on Russian oil. That would be a really big step because right now Europe gets about a third of its oil imports from Russia. It's a really big customer. Um, if countries like Germany say we're not going to take any more Russian crude, they have to get it from somewhere, right? right. Um, so that means they're going to start looking towards other suppliers. They're going to start looking towards the Middle East. But production there is already running at pretty high capacity. Saudi Arabia could maybe step up a little more, but it's just not clear that countries are going to fully be able to fill that gap, which means higher prices. If Russia can't ship its oil to Europe, it needs to find other customers. India has been buying a lot of crude from Russia over the past two months, much more than it did before the conflict, taking advantage of lower prices because um, they're consuming a lot of oil every day. It's a developing economy that needs lots of fuel. Um, China was previously um, the top importer of Russian oil, and there were hopes that they would potentially step up um, and start buying a lot of Russian crude. But because of lockdowns in China right now, um, where we're seeing a lot of restrictions on movement in, in Shanghai and Beijing to try to stop the spread of coronavirus, demand for energy has fallen back a little in China, um, and they haven't filled the gap as much as some analysts had expected. Right. And, and it's also affected other commodities as well. I've heard this term commodity shock when the, the war started in relation to not just oil and natural gas, but food. What, what other kind of products are being caught up in this invasion? So there's all sorts of commodities that have been caught up in this. Um, a big one is wheat. Maxim Krivenko and his family grow the traditional Ukrainian crops of wheat and sunflower on these lush, wide-open fields near the village of Yavkine. But the war has upended his business. It's been unfortunate for all of us. Basically, everything has shut down, and we aren't working now. So Ukraine is often referred to as the breadbasket of Europe. It's a major exporter of wheat. Um, so wheat prices hit a record high in March, um, shortly after the invasion of Ukraine. They've come back down just a little bit, but they're still really high um, compared to historical levels. That matters for Europe, but also for countries like Turkey and Egypt that are really big importers of wheat from Russia and Ukraine. You know, it also matters for countries like the United States. Our food system is really interconnected. And when prices go up in one country, that's not an isolated problem. Countries in Africa are also very reliant on wheat and corn exports from Ukraine. The Red Cross has said that we're on the brink of a food security crisis for nearly a quarter of people in Africa. Um, and it's going to get worse in the coming months as a result of this conflict. So no one here is immune. Um, this is going to affect rich countries, poor countries. Everyone needs wheat and it's getting more expensive. Will this war kill your business? 
It's already killed it. We have stockpiled our wheat production and our sunflowers, but we aren't able to sell them. So I would say it is the beginning of the end. Ukraine is also a major exporter of corn and sunflower oil. Sunflower oil is a really interesting one because if you go to a supermarket in London right now where I'm based, there's no sunflower oil on the shelves. People have gotten really, really panicked. And as people hunt for alternatives, it means that they're pretty much grabbing any cooking oil that they can off the shelf. And um, Indonesia recently announced that it's actually going to ban the export of palm oil. Um, basically, <laughs> you know, that same hoarding mentality that you see um, on an individual level. Oh, that's so interesting. So the, the wheat gets disrupted and the sunflower oil gets disrupted. People start buying other stuff and that causes other countries to say, hey, we need to keep some of this for ourselves. So this is really just like a domino effect. Exactly. So, yeah, people start <laughs> hoarding individually. Then countries start to worry that they're going to have shortages. They start to implement export bans. You know, Indonesia is the biggest exporter of palm oil in the world. So if they say we're not going to um, export this to other countries, that has a huge domino effect um, and can make this problem much, much worse over time. Hmm. So Ukraine says that farmers have continued to produce grain and they want to export it in order to support countries, avoid a growing food crisis. A UN official recently said that there's something like 25 million metric tons of grain that are stuck in Ukraine right now and can't get out. Um, but the problem is that Russia continues to blockade a lot of key ports. Um, and President Volodymyr Zelensky has called on the international community to help um, get this grain out to people who need it. Um, it's not really clear what can be done right now since NATO doesn't want to intervene with an armed intervention, at least. But there are even reports that some Russian troops are stealing grain from Ukrainian farmers, which could further exacerbate the problem. Hmm. Wow. So what other commodities are worth keeping an eye on as the war drags on? Something that's really worth watching is rising fertilizer prices. Uh, Nitrogen-based fertilizers um, are made in large part with natural gas. And so as the price of natural gas rises, it gets much more expensive to make them. And some European-based producers have really cut back production. You know, I've been talking to some dairy farmers here in the UK, and they say that they're paying three times, even four times what they were paying for fertilizer at this time last year. That's a big problem, especially because it's not the only cost that's rising. You know, if you're a dairy farmer, you also have to buy animal feed. We talked about grain prices going up. That affects the price of animal feed. Um, even fuel, you know, they need to run their tractors. They have heavy machinery running 16 hours a day. So their costs are going up on so many fronts. So it's like all parts of the food production cycle here, from the soil to the transport to everything. It's, it's all tied up here. It's all related, and everything's getting more expensive. There's really nowhere to hide. So have you noticed your groceries getting yes, more expensive? like, even right now, I literally just, I have three items, and it's already, like, £10.80 that I pay. It's ridiculous, like... So I've been speaking to people here in the UK, and so many people have seen their weekly grocery bills go up so significantly. I literally bought Ben & Jerry ice cream and two salmons. Wow. And literally it's £10.80. It's ridiculous. And I was speaking to one woman yesterday at the local Tesco, which is a major grocery store. You know, she's 27. She does a food shop for her husband and her daughter every week. She 
says that not long ago she was spending about $85 a week on her um, weekly grocery shopping. Now that's about $135, which is obviously a huge increase. Like even my bills, like everything has gone up. My phone bill, my internet, like literally everything. So it's not just like shopping. Right. Right. What do you do for work? And she's pretty upset. She says that she works as a teacher and she's gotten a raise this year, but it's not nearly enough to cover the increase in expenses that she's seeing. More of my conversation with Julia Horowitz in just a bit. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So I guess my question is, Julia, what can be done about all this to alleviate some of that price instability, shortages? You know, it doesn't seem like the war is going to end anytime soon. So what can be done to ease the burden of these communities and people all over the world? So... People are asking the same question of their governments. They want to know, what can you do to make my life easier as prices keep rising? In Spain, they're exploring putting a cap on natural gas prices. Um, French President Emmanuel Macron is thinking about food vouchers as a way to lower grocery bills. So governments are really scrambling right now to figure out what they can do to ease the burden. The problem is a lot of countries are also dealing with really high debt levels coming out of the pandemic. And so... They're not in a great place to keep borrowing and keep subsidizing a lot of consumer costs without risking getting into a pretty dangerous fiscal spiral. So that's, you know, that's a big risk here. Governments want to help, but they're scared of taking on more debt. Right. I'm thinking about what you said earlier about how Indonesia is more or less hoarding palm oil. Like, how does that play out if countries decide to take up this me first strategy in times like this? I think that there is a risk that countries start to turn inward as prices start really climbing um, and people start to think about their own personal interest. I think that that's why governments are trying to take steps to blunt some of the impact now. Um, We know that there's a connection between rising food and fuel prices and political protests, for example. Starting with Tunisia, where an unemployed graduate student sets himself on fire after a city inspector confiscates his unlicensed fruit cart and then allegedly slaps him. You know, if you go back more than a decade to the Arab Spring and look at what was happening in countries like Tunisia, like Egypt, global food prices were rising really sharply in 2010 and 2011. In Algeria, riots break out over rising food prices and a housing crisis. And ultimately, on the streets of Egypt, 
in early 2011, one of the most popular chants was bread freedom and social justice, which just tells you how important food costs are to people's lives. Like there's nothing more elemental, more urgent than I got to eat and I'll do something to make it happen. Absolutely. And especially people on lower income spend a much larger proportion of their income on food and fuel. So when prices start to go up, they feel the pain much sooner. And we know that when the cost of living starts to rise, it you know, fuels and exacerbates discontent with political leaders, and it can be a spark for protests. We've seen this to some extent already in Sri Lanka. It's a corrupted government. The country is currently dealing with the worst economic crisis in its history. It hasn't had enough foreign reserves to import energy, leading to massive shortages. Long lines for cooking gas and other fuel have turned into weeks of protests, and the prime minister actually resigned on Monday. Yeah, it's obvious the impacts of the war reach far beyond just Ukraine and Russia. Julia Horowitz, we can read you in the Before the Bell newsletter. Thanks so much for the insight. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for us. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. And remember, in the meantime, CNN Five Things will keep you up to date with the latest developments in the war. You can subscribe wherever you listen. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by me, David Rind, along with Audrey Horwitz, Nathan Miller, and Paolo Ortiz. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer, and Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Special thanks to Elizabeth Roberts and Colin Wallace. I'll talk to you next time. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.